four, three. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words That's on tomorrow. it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Because I've never seen that. Fucking thing sucks. There's no words there. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words That's on it. Live episode 50. It's a milestone, bitches. I'm genuinely surprised we made it to 50, but we made it to 50. Big 5 0. All right, everybody. Tonight on the program, let's mix it up a little bit. Start with this shit. Did you see? Did you see this dipshit? Full-on honorary dipshit of the day. Gotta do it. Can't escape me. This is my state neighbor here in Nebraska. This fucking dipshit, Pete Ricketts. He told the reporters that you're gonna kill your kids if you legalize marijuana. Don't believe me? Here it is. So this is a dangerous drug that will impact our kids. If you legalize marijuana, you're gonna kill your kids. That's what the data shows from around the country. Holy shit, bros. Kill your kids out there. Like, what data is the fucking this dipshit talking about? Holy fuck, dude. Like, that's some fear-mongering dumb shit if I've ever seen it. But, uh, I don't need to tell this crowd. But, yeah, anyway. Moving right along. Free shit. It's free! Do you guys want free shit this week? What are we going to give away? Grape Cobbler. We're just doing it old school. No name that tune. Grape Cobbler. How are you going to win? See that email on the bottom of your screen? DarkHorseGeneticsLive at gmail.com. You're going to have to email that, and the code word is going to be Nectars. 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 If you put Nectars in the subject line, you email that. I'm going to pick the 15th, 30th, and 45th person. Three people show in. Also, on a note to everybody last week who helped out with Beavis and the hashtag winners and uh, general winners from last week, there's like a hundred something people I got to get through, so I'm way behind. It's coming, but I'm way behind. So if you won all that stuff, it's happening. But we got a package like well over a couple hundred packs here. So hang with me. It's coming. 
But uh, yeah, this week we still continue the giveaway. You'll be at the bo bottom of this train, but we'll get it wrapped up before next week. Great cobbler. Good luck, everybody. All right. On the program tonight, we have Nectar's Collective. Uh, these guys are well-known hash makers. I met them early on. Uh, I think I, yeah, I met them early on at like a cannabis cup where they blew my mind with some crazy good hash. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to pretty much get right into it because I'm interested in this. But uh, let's go ahead and talk to uh, Nectar's. All right, everybody, I'm here with uh, Noel from Nectar's. Uh, thanks for joining the program. We really appreciate you coming on and kind of telling us a little bit about your story, man. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. I really, uh, same, I appreciate, appreciate being a uh, part sure. of this. Um, as we start with everybody at the very beginning, I just sort of ask all the guests, um, do you recall the first time that you smoked herb or cannabis? Absolutely. And do you remember the strain or tell us a little bit about the first time you ever got high? First time I ever got high was uh, I grew up in Iowa, and it was at a park um, near my house. And Hold on, I gotta stop you right there. I gotta stop you right there. Iowa? I'm an I'm an Iwegian, dude. I didn't know there was any other Iowa fucking industry well, people ever, here. dude. I I was born in Des Moines, man. That's no, crazy. Born in Des Moines? <laughs> I, I grew up in Fairfield, Iowa, in the southeast corner. Okay, for sure. Sorry to interrupt. You continue, man. No, we got no, another no, Iwegian no, with no, us. That's know, a major I, moment. Yeah, Heartland, you know, Midwest. <laughs> Didn't love growing up there, but the people, wonderful people. That's the heartland, right? Um, anyway, so I grew up in Iowa, and I went uh, I went to kind of an international school vibe, but a lot of my friends were from California. And uh, my buddy Calm is his name. His real name is Calm. He's a guy, you got to come, you got to tr come try this out. I was, I was really into sports then. And, uh, I didn't try it until my junior year when I was 17. And uh, we went to the park, and he had some buds that he had from California. I have no idea what the strain was. And uh, we, uh, we rolled a joint and smoked it. Oh, maybe it was out of a protopipe, those little metal things, just mm -hmm. to date myself. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's where it kind of began for me as far as uh, my love of herb. Um, I really got into it to college and started growing in college and uh, ended up following uh, fish and becoming a deadhead. Oh, so you were a dirty stuff. hippie kid too also. You followed fish. I was one of the original looks, I think. Jesus, <laughs> maybe. I nice. definitely had dreads down to my knees okay. for decades. Okay. I made my own patchwork clothing. Yeah, that that's fully full like official member right there, dude. You're definitely wook status. I mean, I sewed a patchwork pouch that I used to carry my glass piece around with me attached to a carabiner to my belt. <laughs> Did you, uh, I, let me ask you this, just one walk to another from back in the day. What was your favorite venue? Did you go to Oswego, the airport shit that got out of control? Were you at that fish show? I was at all of them. I was at all of them. Okay, all of them. The only <laughs> one I didn't, the big one I didn't get to do, two big ones I didn't get to do, that was uh, the Florida one for 2000, 99 to 2000, because I just moved to California. And then um, I didn't do, get to do any of the Baker's Dozen, everything else I was there for. What other bands were you into? Was it just Fish mostly, or did you kind of, did you? Oh, I mean, Fish was the jam band, right? Um, Widespread, Yonder, I love, I love everything Grateful Dead, of course. Grateful Dead. Um, 
I look at fish like fun and Grateful Dead like the church. Yes, sir. I like that answer. That's a great answer. What about, uh, I was being Colorado, I moved to Colorado at a very young age, but I was a string cheese kid. Is that string cheese sacrilege to you? A lot of fish guys think string cheese is kind of like, like, I don't know, B-grade, B-grade jams. String cheese is a great band. I never got to follow them around. I had a band that I followed and was devoted to that particular one because that band uh, was kind of the birth of jam band-ish sound. Um, string cheese and the disco biscuits and uh, uh, there's a couple others here and there that I've went and watched and everything. Anytime I think it's really good, it just reminds me of fish. Totally. I, yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Um, but, uh, me... my, but dude, Michael Kang is a fantastic musician. Too. I mean, those guys, those guys are great musicians. For I sure. like music. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm into music and even like just recently I have some buddies that are into heavy metal, which I was never into. And there is like some of the heavy metal guys have some things that are like truly I, I look back at that and respect how it's composed and recognize the amount of uh you know like what what it really is like some of it's are true masterpieces sure the skill. Daughter, but like man music is music yeah there's music in everything even the stuff that you think yeah. you wouldn't like there's I some mean, music in there let me uh um... i used to be a raver too i used to love at least love going to uh, i was part of the chicago house preservation society you know i was doing I was doing a warehouse shows and everything, house okay. music. <laughs> I um, didn't know that. Uh, you just attended or you put them on or? Uh, oh, no, yeah. I just attended. I was just ahead in the crowd. Gotcha. You know? That's all. Yeah. Just, just a... getting my beats on, chasing chasing beats. That was a wild was, time also. Um, but let me steer it back, I guess, a little bit more towards cannabis. Um, talk yeah. to me about that first grow. You said you were in college, you think, is when you started? Um, oh, I know what, when I started. I was in college. What led you I to like growing your own? Like, I need to grow. Yeah, I need to do this my myself. Actual own. Indoors, I had a Phototron. I got it out of the back of High Times. I had it delivered to someone else's house, and I brought it with me out to New York, and that's why I have some New York roots, because I went to college out in New York. And, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Do you, do you <laughs> I, recall that, the that first strain worked. that you ever grew, or first seeds you ever popped? The first seeds I ever popped and grew, I got from some local deadheads that were from my town in Iowa, and they called them skunks. Nice. Beautiful. <laughs> I wish yeah. I had those seats still to this day, obviously. Right. Uh, so if you would take us from obviously that uh, stage in college, but uh, you obviously have now transitioned into your adulthood into, you know, Nectars and it's a well-known oh, yeah. established company. Take us through the foundation of Nectars and how you went from a college kid that was growing in a Phototron to essentially running one of the most respected hash companies in the United States. Well, I'll do the, the timeline pretty quick. I went from following, you know, the bands around and realizing, you know, cultivation cannabis was going to be my thing. You know, at the time it still wasn't legal, really. And I was like, this is going to be my life, really. That's how this is going to work out. And I accepted that. At around 28, 29 years old, I accepted that and was enthusiastic about it. That's why I moved to California to pursue the uh, medical marijuana side of everything. And uh, I discovered it on tour. I was like, wow, I'm moving to California. Medical marijuana, I can't believe how beautiful this is. This, this is the next thing. And um, I was blessed to uh, meet Chemdog and uh, some of those guys back in the uh, early 2000s and really pushed um, just you know sour diesel on the West Coast, especially in Northern California. Um, I'm still known for uh, putting out the headband strain, 
in that time period that um, my buddy from IC Collective won with, and same thing with my buddy James Loud also won with that in different times. Um, but my love of hash making and love of concentrates and all that was always there. Um, you know, I did it like everyone else did. We went from, you know, temple balls and bricks of hat, uh, like uh, the Moroccan style hash and using metal knives to using glass paddles to using, um, you know, metal knives and uh, flipped up, flipped over two liter bottles and all that to <laughs> glass to glass pedal paddles and then bubbler glass bubbler things on top of it to dabs um and uh it was it's just it, it's just the pursuit of headies I, I really got that just like the, that's the bottom line i'm i, I love that stuff i loved it I, lo I loved i loved the the concentration of it you know the extraction of it i did an alcohol extraction in the early 2000s that was uh actually pretty good i learned it from a canadian guy actually here in bc i was gonna say um, you were like a uh leading well, i guess yeah you were a pioneer of live uh, live, live resin live resin yeah i i really want to like make this clear for everyone if if there was the true pioneer i would be number two i gotta say that heisenberg of holy water he's truly the innovator of the whole thing um I was there and loved hash and don't get me wrong. We did it at my house and, uh, you know, absolutely contributed to the concept, but he was truly the innovator. And that's why I call myself a pioneer of it because there's only a couple of us that really pursued that path with him. Um, another shout out to Spoiled Patience, uh, that guy over there too. He's, he was the other guy, um, that was in the original group. And, uh, Heisenberg and I tried to start a business together, which unfortunately failed for us. I'm glad to still have him as a good friend of mine because so many times in this industry, you start something with the best intentions and it goes sideways, right? So, uh, you know, shout out to him for really pioneering and uh, being, the, being the director of all that. Um, I definitely took it to another level with another guy out there. Um, and uh, he was a scientist, and I tried to get him to really integrate into the process so we could get a little bit more scientific pieces to make it more efficient, you know, because it was so new and people were still blowing themselves up in garages. And uh, we, you know, so safety was a really big deal. And But all the equipment was kind of new to us because, you know, no one with a PhD invented it. It sure. was a couple of kids in a garage. Can I ask I you, and you may not know, but can I ask you, like, what led you guys to think about fresh frozen material? Like, why? I couldn't even in my wildest dreams think about trying to extract something that's not dry. And you guys look at this like, hey, let's chop this and try this. Let's chop this, freeze this, and then try it. There's so much moisture in there. I'm not a hash guy, so you kind of have to break yeah. it down in simple terms for me. But there's so much well, moisture in there when you freeze it. And then you guys are able to turn this into the, the most terpy tasting type material um that's you... that's what it was it was pursuit of terpenes and we realized that uh that there was more terpenes to it when it was live than when it was dry you know you do a little bit of reading um i like to quote uh kenny from tricome technologies 
he said in one of his books, I believe, or an article that he wrote, that you lose anywhere between 20 to 80% of the terpenes as it cures, right? So why wouldn't you do it fresh? Sure. And uh, because Heisberg and I work so close hand in hand, right, um, we were able to pull that off. Sure. And recognize for what it was, you know, and, and again, it, it's just, it's literally the pursuit of headies of, of flavors and just observation, you know, trial and error. We made every mistake possible. And every single one of them, we made mistakes, <laughs> right? But that's how you learn. If you're, if, you're, if you're carefully watching, you're learning from them, I hope. Very cool. I mean, I sort of, uh, hijacked your your train of thought there i've like i do want to get into the formation of nectars and uh like oh yeah sorry. yeah so back <laughs> so, to sorry so, about that but yeah back to like so, the formation we, of your company there yeah we, we we started going to um in 2000 and you know i could be a, a year off in either direction for any of these dates but I'm pretty sure it's 2012 we went to um a cannabis competition thing in santa rosa and watched as people had booths set up in this little medical section. And they were, I, I like, I stood next to my buddy. And I was like hitting him on the shoulder. Like, dude, I can't believe it. I think they're going to actually buy that stuff. <laughs> Holy moly, they're taking out scale, they're scaling and buying it. How do we get in on this? Like, this is, this is cool. Medical at booths at a little show. And um, we instantly went out and started hunting on how to do it. And we took some classes and uh, learned how to file form the paperwork. And that next year we were, we were out there with our booths and uh, pushing live resin because we, we saw at the time, no one else doing it. You know, we heard if it doesn't shatter, it doesn't matter so many times. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, we try to be as humble as possible about it and be like, one day you'll realize what we're trying to show you here. Um, something to the, you know, so we started competing. We started competing in contests, internal win contests is uh, how we really started. And our marketing was built into making booths and being present and meeting the people. And uh, that's how we got to where we are now is by meeting the people and having that network of, of, uh, of guys and ladies out there that really put in the time early on, in the early, early times of this you know, 10 years ago, almost now, um, we just set up our booths next to each other over and over and over again, you know, we became friends over time. For sure. You want to talk briefly about, um, because you just triggered a question that I had, which was, you talk about if it shatter, it doesn't matter. And like the evolution of hash. And I remember, I mean, everybody was making shit out of a PVC pipe or a copper tube and Ronson butane mm -hmm. from like Walmart and shit was sketchy. Everyone was blowing up. But the it, first it went from like a black glass and then all of a sudden people started getting like a like a butter and all the, the butter was like the shit all of a sudden. And then it was more of like a cream kind of substance was the shit. And then it yeah. turned into, I would say, I guess sh like the shatter, but the clarity of the shatter was everything. And then it kind of went live and then it went to uh, rosin. And it was like, there's been this progression of hash the entire way, but I think it's mm -hmm. kind of funny how at some stage, each different stage before it is getting shit on. It's like, no, nobody wants shatter anymore. Or nobody wants, you know, crumble anymore. Or, but at the same time, we also go backwards. A lot of times we go forwards and go backwards on some of these strains to get them to, they wash differently or they, they extract differently depending right. on the terps. 
But uh, yeah, do you want to speak briefly on like all these different terms and how they sort of trumped each other down the down the line? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, live resin caught on, right? Um, and then all the all the different you know HTEs and we called it FSTE and so on and so forth. There was a bunch of different little letters that meant something there, which I never really loved the description of it. Um, I think that we really pushed uh, the full spectrum concept at the time because our terpene, you know, distillate was such a big thing in the beginning. That was the question. It's like, is this distillate? No, this is actually not. Um, so full spectrum was a statement that we used a lot before it was popularly used um, just to describe what our products were like. Um, I think that that crowd that was always saying, Oh no, we don't like that anymore. It's that one's done or this one's done. That that's that's that kind of crowd I, I wanna call I wanna like categorize them as the heady boys. You know, and I was definitely part of that crowd. Still still kinda am, you know. Like, I, I like heady things. And from a consumer's point of view, it's completely different. And I've been working I've worked in a corporation now, I've transformed myself from one thing to another and trying to be more businessman oriented than I have in the past. And I realized that there is a product for everyone and a skew for everyone, for everything. And to try to ignore any of those will never lead to you really accomplishing what you're trying to do, which is to be in the market and spread your brand and grow. It's hard to grow when the numbers don't make sense. And you, you really do need to have almost all of those things out there um, and be able to make all those things, you know, because shadows a certain price. People right. can afford it, right? One, one Crumbles question. a certain price. You can always sell, people buy cheap beer all the time. They also buy expensive wine. Mm -hmm. They drink it in one night and it's done. <laughs> I say you, right? you triggered a question that I had, uh, which was CRC. And uh, how yeah, you kind that's of a, that's, a, that's a new technology, right? right. Like you kind of, you and if you're not familiar with CRC, it's just a way of essentially cleaning up like the sh the impurities out of shatter. I, I shouldn't be speaking on it because I'm the wrong guy, but basically they can take black, dark, ugly shatter from shit material and make it look clear, yellow, like super fire. So it's, shatter has become deceiving to me. Whereas a, a bit of a novice, I walk in and I'm like, I can't tell if this is fire shatter or if this is some CRC stuff or what's going on. But uh, do you have I any mean, opinion on CRC? Right? Uh, okay, so CRC, for those people that don't know, is a color remediation columns. And we adapted it from the winery in industry, basically, to clean up the color and other items out of uh, our products, our crude. Um, so you're right. You can literally take um, floor sweepings off the floor and run it and put it through a CRC and it's going to be golden and look nice. So it's hard to, it, not only does people make shatter out of it, they make all, all things. You know, you can see resins made out of, out of CRC. I think that um, one of those groups out there that's actually in Colorado, uh, Sano Gardens, is an example of taking the CRC machine and adding it to something excellent and creating something excellent out of that. Sure. Right, those guys really pushed that idea. And uh, I at first poo-pooed them over the whole thing. I was like, ah, you know, why, why are you trying to do all that? Because the issue with the CRC in the beginning was it would take a little bit of terpenes out. 
still does, I believe. I think that we've gotten really close to understanding all the different medias available to us now. And uh, there's been a lot of R&D on that and how to retain the terpenes using a CRC and just remove the color. And I think we've come a really long way. Um, so it, it's a necessary arrow in every extractor's equipment or a bow. You, you know, you, you got to have it. Sure. Not only could it be, be used to, to disguise some shitty product, but essentially what you're saying is, is if you're an excellent hash maker, you, you can also plug it in to improve the quality of your products even more. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. It's just, it's just how, you, how you use it, right? It's just another tool. Right? It's, it, it's tough to educate the masses. I, I try not to do that anymore um, because it's hard. And it's thankless, really. It's definitely thankless. <laughs> you certainly don't get paid for it right. by any means. But there needs to be um, education about how the looks isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily show how good it is. Yep. You know, it's part of it. I get it. You know, I've, I've done judging for contests before. And if you don't have one of the categories... So if you can't really trust your your eyes, then if I'm just if I'm just a consumer, how should I be buying hash? I know rules have changed with the pandemic, where you can't get your nose and all up in everything necessarily. But right. in a perfect world, how can how how would you choose your hash on a shelf if you're going to purchase it? I would have to probably go with the consumer route, which is by brand. Yeah. Right. I don't think we have any other choice with how it's set up currently in the world. It's hard to really get your get 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 to know it with uh, you know they don't they don't allow that. Um, so I would I would fall back on on brand recognition. Sure. You know, but I think that I think that as a consumer, you go in and you look at the price. Like let's let's compare it to grocery shopping. You know, you buy your brand. Maybe there's a brand next to it that looks nice. Packaging matters a hundred percent. But if you if you don't have the quality product behind that packaging, you might not only you just might might, might buy it once. Yep. The whole idea is to capture 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 more little pieces of the market than that. Um, so and represent your brand properly, right? So put out a good product, consistent product, price accordingly. With that said, talk to me a little bit about the, the early days of Nectar. So you kind of told us how you, how and why you decided to start, but uh, I'm sure just like anyone who's still here 10 years later, it wasn't all easy. Um, tell me about some of the struggles and some of the stuff you went through and did you guys Southern California? Was it wholesale only? Did you have a store? No, it or? was, we mostly distributed Northern California. We did have a little bit in Southern and Middle Cal and Northern California also, you know, we reached we reached up and down the state, but our base was certainly out of the Bay Area. Um, all of it is a struggle. Being an entrepreneur, being a small business owner, it's not easy. California is the height of competition in the world, period, for cannabis. Yep. Everyone looks at California. So to make it in California is tough. And particularly the Bay Area, I would say the, the Bay, Bay Area, Area is, is in a microcosm of even California, where it's got the headiest of the heady boys. The headiest of the heady boys. And that's why that's a, that's a, that's a tough game there. Um, I think that I would just tag us into OG 
because we were part of that game from the start. If you want to call it heady boys, we were there. It was just our lifestyles. It's how we were living. It wasn't defined in that form in the past. Um, but now that it's become a thing and the businesses, you know, the industry is where it's at. Um, California is very, very hard and very competitive. We went through the struggles as every little company struggles with bad business partners, bad business deals. Um, I guess citing bad paperwork. That's something I would say to every person out there trying to be legitimately getting into the game and really being in, in the legal market is truly, once you sign something, you can't go back. Someone else told that to me once. Yeah. She had done really well for herself and her company. She said, no, I one really good piece of advice. Her name's Karen. Um, once you sign something, you can't go back. So really, really be careful with how you sign stuff. And I did. I, I, I didn't do great at that. I signed badly. I believed in a business partner. Didn't do me great at all. Um, and so that really set me back. And when, you know, to be, to be more personal, um, in 2017, when the fires from Northern California came and, uh, then that, that next year it was going to be legal. I was one of the victims. You know, we lo I lost my home of 20 years. Um, I lost my labs. I lost my cultivation. I lost all that stuff. I got eight days in the cult into harvesting <laughs> all my equipment, lost everything. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate my community that helped us out, of course, because uh, at that time, I, I just couldn't deal. I couldn't, I, I, I was too proud and too, um, just too proud to go out and ask my community for anything more. You know, they had given us so much and supported us so much. Uh, I, I just didn't do it. We didn't, we didn't, we kept it kind of quiet. You know, and I didn't go public with the fact that we had lost everything. Sure. Um, and, you know, I look back on that and I think to myself, man, I, sh I should have I should have reached out to the cannabis community more than I just reached out to my community. And uh, maybe it would have been different. But that because of that hiccup right there, it really stopped our momentum, you know, because we were prepared to go into the legal market. You know, that's that the whole purpose was prepared to go into the legal market. Um, and then. Uh, and then I got a call from one of my buddies that I met at a cannabis conference in the past. And he said, why don't you come up to Canada? You know, we finally, we finally have the laws ready for you. And uh, we want to bring you up here to uh, British Columbia and start you off up here. So uh, a little over a year ago, I moved up here and had been grinding away here in, Cal in uh, Canada. Nice. I actually didn't know you were in Canada right now, dude. I thought you were still Cali. I knew you had the, Cal well, Ca uh, the Canada operation going, but I didn't know you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I moved up here to run that operation, um, and I still have things going on in California. We're still looking to get back into the market for real. Um, keep my fingers crossed as always, but I hopefully will be back in the market in California by the fall. Could be sooner. Heck yeah. And uh, because, uh, we, we continue to grind at that. I got a, I got a team of people out there trying to get it done. Sir. Uh, I recall the first time that I ever heard your guy's name 
and it was um, at uh, a High Times Cannabis Cup. You guys had won uh, something, and it was the Super Bowl. And I didn't go to the cup that day because the Broncos were playing the Super Bowl, and I had a, some sort of suite or something at the Mission Inn in, in California. And I think I had a party, but I was rarely or barely like with it. But uh, I think you guys came in, and you were at that party or whatever, and you guys were stoked that you'd won. It might have been your first win. But uh, do you want to talk any, about some of your, your victories? I know you're kind of a humble man, but you guys have won some cups and some awards. Uh, yeah, we, we've won what was some your first? awards. Um, the first one was the High Times one. Yeah, I think that one was your first that night. You guys were uh-huh. very... And we won with uh, J1, Jack O'Reilly number one. Um. It was a third place, a humble third. That the the High Times Cup we entered it so many different times and never won, but nor did we ever spend any money on advertising. <laughs> gotcha. So, um, but then locally, we went out and won. Um, we swept a couple different contests here and there. We uh, we won at HempCon, many trophies at HempCon, which was truly the beginning underground battleground for those people in the Bay that were trying to build companies. You know, like if you were at any of those hemp cons, mm-hmm. you were in the trenches. <laughs> and so the competition for those were fiercer than they were ever before. You know, that was, that was hard. Oh yeah. I- that was, that was, uh, that was business versus business there. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, California got real, like, cup happy, where there was, everybody had a cup, and there was a cup every weekend, but you had to kind of target the ones that you wanted to go to, and those yeah. sort of turned into the bigger ones if you picked right, but uh, I remember right before, I would say, they sort of pushed this new legalization crap bill, or whatever the fuck they're doing now, this uh, Prop D, or, I guess it was Prop D at the time, but yeah, things had gotten... Like, I want to say out of control because it was awesome to see. There was actually, like, open-air flea markets and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. There was yeah. nightclubs oh, in L.A. where you would line yeah. up with a card in L.A. And it was literally a nightclub, but yeah. all it was like a social lounge inside for cannabis. Yeah. It, things were really progressing quickly, but then I would say sl- the door slammed shut. But uh, it's a weird lead into this question, but I wanted to ask you about uh, um, Terp Tower Invitational, uh, Barcelona. Yeah. You guys are affiliated with this, I believe, where... There's yes. a cool event every year that goes on. There's this yeah. this tower, this penthouse tower place. Like it's hard to describe, but it's one of the coolest views of all of Barcelona. We go there every year. We go to Spanibus, and um, I know that you guys have something to do with it. You want to explain a little bit what the the Turp yeah, Tower, was, the Invitational? Yeah, that was um, my uh, my my good friend Peter Papadopoulos um, at Roland and Blazing was the guy that was the brainchild behind that, and uh, we had gone out there to compete, of course, and just check out Spain. I think the first year we won a trophy at uh, Dabadu. And uh, seeing all that, uh, we paired with him. And, you know, he really had an idea of doing some sort of contest or something there. And uh, Crystal and I went in with him and really built a whole thing we, we built a turf tower invitation i did the graphics for that hoodie actually <laughs> that first one no that's tough um and we really put our we really put our heart and soul into that contest because um that was right right when we, we had lost everything right and so we were just kind of like what are we gonna do 
you know, what, what can we do? And, you know, everyone likes to throw, you know, like events are something that both my partner and I have always loved doing. And Peter was, uh, you know, Peter was charged up and had been thinking and thinking and thinking about it. And so, uh, and we put together that first one, which is the only one we've been involved with, which was the first one. Um, and we did that in like four months, which was not enough time, three months. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, again, one, maybe the hardest thing I've tried to do in the cannabis space is throw an event in a different country um, that just magnified the difficulties of it. And uh, again, one of the, just like education, it's hard. It's a thankless, thankless job. Anyone that's thrown any type of event knows what I'm talking about. Any promoter knows what I'm talking about. That is a hard, hard job. I heard a Did rumor. Have a, yeah. And, uh, you can confirm or deny this or no comment this, but I heard a rumor that the first year, the owner of the, of the tower showed up in the middle of sort of the party, and he was a little bit like, what in the fuck am I looking at here? He like, was livid. <laughs> livid. So how the fuck and did you talk him into letting you use it year after year after year? Because when he knows what's going on. Fucking cool. Hell he yeah, is he a is. cool, cool man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, one of us, this is where I'm not throwing people under the bus, wasn't me though, <laughs> did not ask permission from him in fear that he wouldn't let us do it. And he should have just asked because he's cool. And he was like, dude. Why wouldn't you ask me? Of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. But you can't. And like he, I'll, I'll get into it. It's, it's a funny story. He kicked everyone out, right? And we were like, oh, fuck our lives. This just happened. <laughs> and uh, he lines us up like little kids and literally yells at us. <laughs> we don't say anything. <laughs> Except that we're sorry. <laughs> and uh, he settled down. It was very cool. Obviously, he still allows it and everything. And he walked out, and five minutes later, Dank Jushers walks in. He's like, whoa, what happened there? I was like, whoa. She's like, I'll just wait until he leaves. And uh, people started streaming back in, actually. <laughs> so I don't know what went there. But, um, you know, the concept of it was fantastic. The execution was just okay, you know. Sure. I mean, I, I, year one, you got to give it some slack, dude. You guys, I, and, every, and everyone did, and I know that everyone that really participated in the whole thing had a fantastic time. That that was never in any doubt. I think that uh, Crystal and I are big dreamers, and wanted to do so much more. But you know, it, like I said, it's it's tough. So oh, Peter, yeah. and all of us, we wanted to we we wanted to really like put it out there and make it make it what we envisioned it to be, and. Uh, Year one, it didn't quite hit that mark, but it was it was excellent stuff. I still think it's excellent. Uh, I, yeah, we were just was, there last year about this time, actually. Yeah. And uh, Caesar and I came in, and we landed literally as soon as we landed. Caesar's on the phone trying to figure out how to get his kit for the Terp, Terp Tower Invitational. And we yeah. went over there to get the kit, and I think we had a, a quick like gelato. And then Trump went on the air talking about everybody needs to get back. We're closing the borders, so the whole world freaked <laughs> out real quick, and we took off. So I feel bad about the last time they tried to do yeah, it because they literally got, got fucked. The moment they were passing out the kits, Trump went on yeah. TV and he was like, everybody go home. And uh, it would yeah, turn into Peter a shit really, show. But it will Peter return. Really a, yeah, Peter really took a hard hit over that because he really put his heart and soul into that year. And um, I felt bad for him because he, you know, he was just trying to make it happen. 
Sure. It's going to return. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I think it, it, it's it, cemented you know in history when, now. It's a thing. Yeah. When we are allowed to return, everyone is going to be ready to celebrate. And uh, so yeah. I, I believe that that will go off in an incredible way once again. Um, Spain is an epicenter, much like California is here. Spain is that in Europe, I think. And oh. I think it took that title from Amsterdam. And, uh, now, if anyone gets a chance to go out there and check out Spanish visits, truly amazing time. Let me ask you this: while we have you here, um, favorite strains to ex- to uh, extract? Um, uh, favorite terps? We know it's more than strain, really. It's just the terps, like kind of the favorite terps you like to to extract, uh, or any tips and tricks you want to give the, the audience that may be wondering uh, if you want to give away any super secret tech. <laughs> um, well. A lot of my tech is out there nowadays. So, you know, I don't know if there is still some some things that uh, each artist wants to do differently. I'm no different from the other guy in that way. But let's go with, first we'll go with favorite strains. Um, my last few favorite strains, besides always being a fan of Sour Diesel and Headband, um, and OG Kush, the, the pure ones when there was only one of them. Um, I really love, I, I like to break terps into di- so, multiple different categories, right? So let me pick one from each category. The fruit categories and everything, I still got a roll of Skittles. That was yes, amazing. Yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. The, the it concentrates to amazing. <laughs> um, the terps on are just special, is what it is. Shout out to those guys, you know? Mm-hmm. All, I know all the, all the homies that go roll the Skittles name, and man, great flower. Um, Second great tricks. Uh, the dessert ones. Whoo-wee. I gotta go with the runs. Just, to, just. To, I, I like, I like the white. You know, I, I'm, I moved to Canada, so I don't see it as much. But the white runs, the regular runs, and the pink runs. Um, I think I like the white runs the most, and that was gelato and skills put together, I believe. Um, You're speaking in terms of extracting or just smoking. Uh, both. Or both, really, both. I guess. Yeah, yeah both. Both. Um, I think that for dumping specifically hash, because I do wash hash now, uh, and I, I think everyone knows this, and I think the GMO is one of those ones that really captures the fuel side of everything. Oh, yeah. Um, I've really liked up here, it's different. We have different terps up here. It's very interesting. Um, for So for Canada, I would say that uh, Purple Peyote Cookies is one of the best extractors up here. Um, they have a real blueberry still up here, which is amazing. Nice. Um, and then for dumping, oh, the, the other really great one, and this is also a known fact for solventless ones, anything papaya built really does dump. That's it's probably the hardest thing to get a good yield out of the whole rosin solventless game. That's, that's just, that's a tough game. Numbers don't match up so well there. That's why it's so expensive. It makes sense to me. Sure. Um, because I'm over 40, I like the hazes. So J1 is probably my favorite haze still. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone were ever to find a true skunk, like super skunk, dead skunk on the road, right? that, that would take the kill. place of all of them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I haven't seen the roadkill yet, and I haven't I haven't seen anyone on social media say that this is what it 
what it is, but I haven't seen a real skunk, super skunk since 1998. I, I saw it twice in my life. 96 or 7, I think, is when I saw it on, on lot somewhere, and I got mass super skunk, and I was like, holy fuck. Like, yep. okay. Like, it was one of those game changers for me where it, it surprised yep. the shit out of me. Um, but, yeah, I know exactly yep. what you're talking about. I yep. guess 1995, I'll, uh... I saw it in Boulder, Colorado, on my way out to California to start tour. And then in 1998, I was at the Warfield show August 1998 for when uh, Phil and friends played. That was the first time um, members of Fish have ever played with any of the Grateful Dead. Nice. Special night. Yeah, was, special week. Yeah, special was, night. Oh, some of the best <laughs> nights. Special <laughs> in my life, right? I, um, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I do recall, and I'll ask you this question too because it's weird, but I do recall some of the best weed I ever got. This sounds strange, but it was Mighty Might, and it was in Tennessee somewhere. And I was like, what the fuck? And I pulled into a parking lot, and this dude pulled up with this bag of Mighty Might, and I had been on the road for a while with a bunch of people, and it was just stood out as amazing weed, and I've never seen it since, and I've only seen it once in a parking lot. And that was also the same as MK Ultra on the West Coast. I saw it somewhere in Cali. I ran his MK Ultra cut, and I was like, this is fucking phenomenal. But I'd never seen that Fino ever again, where I was like, I just can't see it. But I'll ask you this. Where was the most random place that you scored the best weed? Doesn't have to be on the road, but uh, it's strange sometimes. You'd be surprised. <laughs> All right, I'll get you with the story here. Um, I'm on fish tour, and me and my buddy are checking into our hotel, and uh, it was before there was before cellular phones were really popular, right? So we used pay phones, and I had a chinger. I don't, I don't know if you guys know what that is. Chinger is like a little device that you had a recording of the sound of quarters <laughs> running through the machine so it would like pay for it and then you press a little button <laughs> do, 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 and it would count it anyway so i'm trying to figure out what where our buddies are i'm on the payphone and uh my other buddy's there and he's he's pretty fucked up but uh still talking and this guy starts throwing he like goes to use the payphones he starts throwing dimes at me like into the little booth. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? I'm like on the phone. I'm like, yo, dude, go check out what this dude wants. I don't understand this. And uh, he comes, he he goes over and talks to the kid. And he comes back. He's like, yo, this guy's got the real haze, bro. <laughs> and that was like what everyone was looking for in a lot. That was like the head stack shit Trey was smoking type shit. <laughs> and uh, I was like, dude, you gotta go, you gotta go try to get this. You gotta go try to get it. You gotta, I gotta go finish this phone call. And I like finish the phone. I turn around. He's gone. I start looking around for him. I walk outside and I finally find him. He's, he's outside. I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, damn it. You didn't get the weed, did you? I don't know what you're talking about. And we get up into the hotel room finally and sit down. And he passes out. And when he passes out, out drops his bag of weed out of his pocket. <laughs> and the kid actually bought them. He just didn't remember. He was somebody he doesn't even remember doing any of it. <laughs> And it was that fabled haze um, in the East Coast. Yep. And that truly was like one of my one of my favorite. It, it looked awful, but truly was amazing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Truly amazing. <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, I think that's pretty much all the time we got. I'm going to go ahead and wrap her up, but I'm going to go ahead and let you sign it off. Uh, anybody you want to shout out or... 
I guess, well, shit, let me ask you one question on the way out the door, and, and if you want to shout anybody out on the way out, go ahead. But uh, now that you're up in Canada, what is the biggest difference that you, as a, as a, as a Californian weed grower, now you're up here Oof. doing legal cannabis in Canada, what's the biggest difference? And also on the way out, give a shout out to anybody you want to shout out before we get out of here. I, I was hoping you'd ask me about Canada, because uh, Canada's a different beast. Um, and I've been studying how, how they do it here. You know, because uh, BC is known for cannabis. There is no doubt. And uh, production levels of cannabis. And these guys boast getting anywhere between three to six pounds of light up here, which is very impressive. Serious, yeah. Yeah, like impressive anywhere, right? They're like, wow, how is that even possible? Um, and, uh, you know, they're a couple years back, just like everywhere else. California, you just got to realize this so far. And Colorado, too, is just so far in advance of where the rest of the world is at. And um, they have old strains from Amsterdam here. They have a lot of local strains. There is an incredible amount of excellent cultivators here that cling to old school ways. Um, I'll keep this short, how about this? Something that blew my mind, still does, is every time I looked at a little bag of weed up here it was always in a ziploc bag half pound ziploc bag is their style and after a little bit i asked i was like yo does all the weed come like this he's like, what are you talking about I'm like what are you talking about like you guys don't use turkey bags and they're like what are you talking about I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> we put it in turkey bags and they're like the ones in, they're like why the ones you cook turkeys in I'm like yeah it, it seals the scent they have not changed the way they've done bagging up cannabis since the 90s. I used to see it in the 90s in the East Coast. Straight up. Still in plastic baggies, half-pound baggies is how they do it. That's crazy. So it, 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 the, the, it's all very similar, but completely different. And uh, not to knock them, if you really know how you get the yield, they're using their ingredients up here all have some sort of PGR in it. Mm-hmm which is a plant growth hormone, right? Yes. And there's some natural sourcing and everything, all that, but the terps here aren't quite as strong. Yep, that's commercial cash cropping. Yeah, commercial cash cropping. I will say though, they are fantastic at flushing the weed. Canadians are great at flushing the weed. It always comes out right, all the time. Sure. Just doesn't taste like, uh, doesn't taste like cali weed for damn sure. Sure, I know what you mean. That organic flavor, <laughs> yeah. that Cali dirt okay. flavor. Yeah, it's just packed with Turks. That's yes, a catch. Um, Anyone you want to shout out on the way out the door? Well, yeah, my guy Caesar. Caesar. T.H. Caesar, thanks for putting it together. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure, sir. Um, man, I, I, I can't even do it. There's, there's too much of a list. Yeah, you're going to fuck it up and not, not say yeah, it all. Yeah, I'll fuck it up. I'll, I'll start missing people and all that stuff. But Friends, I just family, like to crew. Say thanks. They're yeah, friends, there. family, crew, especially my guys that have been with me forever, working at this. You know, we'll get back. Th we'll get back to it. We'll get into the legal market. We're trying. Um, I'm getting somewhere. So, thanks to all the supporters, all the people that believed in us all this time. Hope to see you guys at a show sometime soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for doing it, man. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers. There you have it. Uh... Oh, Nectar's Collective, a long time OG. I guess you could certainly give them the OG card. Been around forever. So uh, yeah, thanks for doing it, man. Really appreciate it. 
and uh, lots to be learned from that guy. You could sit down and pick his brain and learn quite a bit. But um, with that said, I just realized it's St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, people. A lot of people are probably drunk right now, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking green beer and getting drunk right now. Okay, cool. St. Patrick's Day, green beer. Caesar says he's never seen green beer. We're not real big beer people over here, but green beer is definitely a thing. It only happens on St. Patrick's Day. You know, anybody from Chicago, they dye the whole river green. Today's a day for all the Irish to go fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. If you don't have a green on, then you owe Caesar a nickel. Caesar has green on. He's the only one. I don't have green. Otherwise, you can't owe me a nickel. But uh, yeah, either way, uh, that's a wrap. Thanks for Nectar for coming on. Uh, reminder, I'm still catching up on all of the Beavis uh, orders, and I'm still catching up on the freebie shit, so give me a second. But I'll catch up by next week. That's the plan. All right, everybody, same bat time, same bat channel. Next week, we're going to leave everybody with the the jams of all jams. It's by request now. People are hitting me up an email requesting how do they get this in MP3 form. you got to know somebody. Peace, everybody. Little boy with gay fish come sit on my shoulder today. Little gay parrot fish sit on my shoulder today and make me a fried shrimpy dish with some soy sauce, baby. As the beat drops, super, super fried. Super fried egg roll, triple fried fried rice, triple fried rice, baby. Two for one egg roll, super triple fried rice, triple fried rice, baby. Don't forget the soy sauce, chan chan chan. There's my gay fish song, dudes. What? <laughs>